versus wild bitches. Woo, we're back. We're back. Oh, it's good to have you back, Thrill. It really good. is, man. It's good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, you know, I got home. Uh, it got to be 85 degrees again. It started to cool off a little bit today, so that's a good thing. And you and I were just talking. You guys got a few feet of snow, so we got different ends of the spectrum right here. So you're telling me down there in parts unknown Louisiana, it was 85 degrees? It was 85 degrees on Saturday. Yep. And I was hunting and swatting mosquitoes and had wasps buzzing around. All that craziness. So when does it cool down? Because it does cool down, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we get like fronts that come through. And so, you know, it'll be a perfect example is like tomorrow morning right now. I mean, it was probably, what do you think, Tommy Luke? It was probably, what, 70 degrees down here today? And then tomorrow morning, it's going to be 39. So, I mean, you know, we get those 30-degree, you know, temperature changes, and everybody wants to know why the hell they're sick. Well, that's the reason why. Okay, well, we have a gigantic signing, which is Shohei Otani, that we had planned to talk about. But, Thrill, as you know, Breaking news here. Your Breaking news. Yes, your San Francisco Giants. San Francisco Gigantes. They have signed Korean outfielder Jung Hoo Lee to a six-year, $113 million contract. Holy shit, man. What do you know about him? So uh, I know that he is like one of the MVPs over there in Korea. Um, he's basically a contact hitter. He had one year where he hit, I think, 23 homers, but he's not known for his power. He's known for more of his hitting ability. Um, all of all the stuff that I've been reading online is the fact that he is a bad ball hitter. Uh, he makes contact with, with pretty much everything. Puts the ball in play, which is probably why the Giants were real high on him. You know, he's got a good on-base percentage. Uh, runs fairly well. Not great, but runs fairly well. And uh, he is the son of a, another Korean Hall of Famer. Matter of fact, his dad, uh, he played for, I couldn't even tell you how long over there. Um, and he... Um, He's a Hall of Famer. His dad retired, and five years later, uh, Mr. Lee wound up making uh, the major leagues over there in Korea. So he comes from a good pedigree. Yeah, Jong Boom Lee, known as the son of wind. Uh, and then ironically, no, Jung the grandson Lee, of wind. The grandson of wind. Yes. His dad he's, was the son of wind. No, his dad was a son of wind, and his grandson is, or excuse me, he is a, he is known as the grandson of Wind. Yeah. Now there, there's no you know real further explanation on how they got those nicknames, but man, it's pretty fucking cool. I'd like to be known as the son of Wind. Yeah, like like that's cool, grandson of Wind, and uh, you know he's he's uh, 25, I guess, and you know so he's been in the league seven years, but he's only got 69 stolen bases, so he doesn't have a whole lot of swiping of the old bagger hoyers but uh you know 
it says that he's an above average uh, defender in center field, which is probably where he's going to patrol. And, but he's one of those kind of guys. I mean, you know, just one of those uh, Japanese, Taiwanese, Koreans, all of these guys who, you know, swing, make a lot of contact, put the ball in play. Yeah, there's one video that I saw on him where it was a fastball literally bearing in on his back knee, and he had a swing that was just like straight down, almost trying to protect himself. Very Ichiro-esque. He's the only guy that I've seen. People say Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but Vlad was a different animal. I mean, he could, you know, he was toes to the nose, but he was toes to the nose taking fucking gangster hacks, man. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, this guy, this guy's not taking a, a Vlad Guerrero hack, nor is he no. taking a Pablo Sandoval hack for that matter. But, uh, you know, I mean, hey, look, you know, he signed a six-year deal. One of the things that that I'm going to be looking at, and, you know, I'll meet the guy in spring training when I go there, uh, he did have a fractured ankle this year, cut his season short. I want to see, you know, how he came back from the fractured ankle, how he's running. And, you know, especially pivoting when he's, when he's hitting. Okay. So he hit 429, 500 on base percentage, 571 slugging during the world baseball classic. You mentioned uh, the, you know, at least some of the numbers, the 23 homers in 2022, 113 runs driven in 996 OPS over 142 games. When you look at his walk to strikeout ratio, which I'm sure Farhan Zaidi dug into he almost was two to one and it was pretty impressive where he had, you know, nearly double the amount. I'd have to go back and look, but he had way more walks than he did strikeouts. And that's encouraging. The big question though, thrill is, will he be able to handle the increase in velocity? Because they simply don't see guys throwing upwards of 95 miles per hour in Korea consistently. It's actually very rare. That is, that's a great point. And uh, in one of these articles here, it even addresses that. And he said that he's actually uh, trying to make a swing change right now to deal with increased velocity. So uh, we'll see how that plays out, but you know, If it's increased velocity, it's not a strike. It doesn't matter anyway. So there you go. Yeah, it just it becomes a little bit of a question mark because you can sometimes look at guys and you can tell it's the same thing that scouts going to look for when they're watching a young prospect, and that's twitch. And you know, I I was looking at some of the videos. He looks fine. If you were to ask me to analyze on a few highlights from the WBC, my response would be, meh, right? Like, meh. but I'm not taken aback by yeah. any of his skills. He does, he's six foot, 170 pounds. So it's not like it's this menacing force. If you were to ask me right now, I would tell you for six years, 113 million for a six foot, 170 pound Korean baseball player who's had success in the KBO. My response would be, 
similar to what my response was when Otani signed that gigantic deal with the Dodgers. What the fuck is going on? You know, and, you know, you and I have not addressed it yet, and I knew we were going to talk about it tonight, but, you know, you played the sport. I played the sport. There's nobody worth 70 freaking million dollars. Nobody. And on top of that, you got a freaking blown out elbow. You got Tommy John surgery. You're only going to be a DH this next year coming up. You know, and granted, you know, he deferred, you know, his contract, which was extremely smart on his part. Um, you know, it's all backloaded, but, you know, and it frees up some room for the Dodgers to go do other things. But, dude, nobody's worth that. And you know that. And, I mean, you're talking about this guy right here, you know, talking about a contract that's worth 18 million, 18 point something a year, like six a year and you know the guy has never faced major league pitching and uh he's coming off a big time injury so i i don't get it i really don't get it you know <laughs> there there's some there are a lot of other things where for me personally you know i would have been pursuing um you know pitching that's out there you got blake schnell you know the the current you know um Cy Young winner, who's got nasty stuff. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, uh, Corbin Burns, Dylan Cease, Tyler Glasnow, and Shane Berber are just just a few of the names of guys that are kind of proven and they have won in the major leagues already, and they're out there, and you probably get them cheaper. So you know that's that's my my thought on that. Well, the question would be. Where's the major upgrade? Because you have Yastrzemski, you have Hanniger, you have Conforto, you have Austin Slater, you have Luis Matos, you have Wade Meckler. Uh, it's it's kind of more the same. If you told me you were signing Aaron Judge, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I get it. If you told me you're signing Cody Bellinger even, yeah. I would say, yeah, I yeah. get it. So then the question becomes, did they have a chance to pursue Bellinger? Is that, was that a realistic option? Because to pass on Bellinger for an unproven guy, I don't think Bellinger is going to do much more than 113 million. He might do 150, but not much more. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And you got rookie of the year and MVP, all that sort of craziness. You could come back player of the year. I, I Definitely agree with you. And, um, you know, he's not the only other option out there. I mean, there's a, there's other guys too. So it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, if you look at if you look at the, the Giants website right now, literally, and and I'm not a big huge Maria Gordado fan, but she posted at 135 p.m. Giants. Off-season plan B should center on pitching. And literally, four hours later, whammo, the Giants signed an outfielder. So, you know, me personally, uh, you know, I, I know that we didn't come out of the winter meetings with much. Matter of fact, we didn't come out of the winter meetings with anything. 
Um, this is our first legitimate signing, um, you know, and, and uh, we'll see what happens from here. But uh, the Giants need to put together a few more pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, I got to believe that they had no shot at Bellinger. That Bellinger basically said, hey, look, I'm going back to Chicago. I'm, you know, going to Did he sign or no? No, no. Bellinger has not signed. So it just, it, again, like, I got to believe they didn't have a chance at him. But I don't want to sound like a broken record here. You're looking at a guy that's, you know, he's so unproven, man. And it's it's so risky. And to do it on a short-term contract, let's talk about the benefits, though, because he is just 25 years old. But my only issue with that, and it's not the age, it's obviously that's a great age to be if you're signing a free agent where Bellinger is older and any other free agent <clears throat> on the market uh, is, is typically always in that 30-year-old range. But thrill, I I just uh, John Hart used to tell me something when I worked with him at M- MLB Network, and one of my favorite people I've ever been around, one of the most knowledgeable baseball guys I've ever been around, and he would say, "Bernsey, this is what they look like. This is what they look like." And what he was referring to is what a first round superstar type player just. You know, whether it's Stanton or Joe, I mean, obviously those guys are a little bit of aberrations, but give me a, a Bellinger even. 6'3", lanky, strong, room for growth. Dude, six feet, 170, bro. Ah, I, I don't, so if, if he says he's six feet, 170, he's probably fucking five. And it doesn't mean that little guys can't be good because they can't. It's been proven time and time again, whether it's Jose Altuve, who I think is a little bit of an aberration too because this guy's a little fucking fire hydrant. Or it's Alex Bregman, who is just so damn good at his craft. But these smaller guys can can be good. But where's the upside? Like, is there a chance? There's a, there's a legit chance, right? Six fucking years, man. We know how hard it is to hit a ball out of Oracle Park. He might not hit 20 home runs over the like it, in one season over the course of a six-year contract. There's a really good chance. The most he's ever hit in the KBO is 23. And then every other year is a lot less than that. Well, yeah, and that's that's the thing, you know. And then then you know you're coming into MLB, increased velocity, bigger ballparks. So I don't know. We'll see. Put it this way, you know. This is a, a Farhan Zaidi move, and we'll see how it plays out. You know, he likes guys that put the ball in play, and he likes on-base percentage. So that, those are the things that he deals with. Um, you know, you and I talked about it. You know, you get a guy like this, 6'1", 170, and, you know, his nickname is Grandson of the Wind, but he's only got 69 stolen bases. It's like, dude. When you get on first, you can't just chunk the anchor out there if you're going to be our leadoff hitter and number two hitter. You're going to be able to run a little bit. So we'll we'll see what happens. So listen to these numbers. The 
let's see here. The Heroes. It, it, it's, I guess, the name of the team, right? The, the Kawoom Heroes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, after seven seasons of the KBO, they allowed him to seek an opportunity of Major League Baseball. If he stays in San Francisco for the entire contract, the Giants will owe the Heroes an $18.825 million posting fee, bringing their total outlay to nearly $132 million, which is essentially the same shit you could have got Bellinger for. Agreed. Totally agreed. So don't get it. I don't get why they're going that way. And especially since Farhan and Bellinger have a, a working relationship. You know, I mean, they, he was in he was in the Dodgers organization when Bellinger was there. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I'm not going to second guess anything. I got to see these guys on the field, see what happens. And hopefully this is just the first of like a few because, all right, Alex Cobb uh, had surgery. He's not going to be able to be ready for the beginning of the season. So there's a starter we got to replace. And then another thing, too, is now that, you know, the the last regime is gone, hopefully we're done with these, you know, as you and I call it, the bullshit bullpen games. And we get back to lengthening out, guys. We get back to starters being starters and relievers being relievers. And we got guys in the organization that can do it. You guys who are in, you know, the chat room right now, you saw the Kyle Harrison, Tristan Beck. That That's just two of the names of a bunch of guys who have the op- opportunity here in the next few years of making it to San Francisco as starters and being really good pitchers. Yeah, Beck from Stanford. I saw him through in college. Legit. Yeah. Yeah, and we got a kid. We got a kid down. Well, he was in Double A when I was there. I don't know if he's still in Double A. He's in Triple A. Kid's name's Landon Roop. R O U P P. Um, he he's had a little injury bug last few years, but man, if this dude stays healthy, oh man, is he nasty? I'm talking about 94 mile an hour power sinker with a big hook and a changeup. Um, he made it. I I saw him when he was on a pitch count. Right, he was on like a forty pitch count, and like thirty pitches were strikes, and he went through three innings like he was just like a man among boys. So, thrill. Any final thoughts on the Otani deal? I mean, obviously, seventy million dollars. He's not going to pitch for at least another year, year and a half. He doesn't play a defensive position. Now, I think he's capable of playing a defensive position, but they obviously don't want him out there if he's pitching and hitting, and it doesn't look like he's going to throw at all over the course of next season. It's crazy. Well, I guess we could justify it a little bit because the international superstar, but... Yeah, but here's, here's the thing. So, all right, where can we put him on the field where he doesn't have to throw? All right? Likely choice would be first base. They have Freddie Freeman over there, all right? So he's not going to play over there. If they do put him at first base, that gives everybody and their grandma the green light to go run. I mean, it's just like, let me take off early, let the pitcher throw over there to first base, and Otani throw a freaking grenade down to second base. 
All right. It, it's going to be like, it's going to be like running, running on acid right there. Um, another thing, you know, and I'll let all y'all in the chat room, I'll let y'all fire away on this. How about spending 70 million for a freaking DH? You think that that's freaking good baseball strategy or what? I mean, come on, man. Yeah, I do. I feel like we're, we sound a little critical right now and we're, I, we're both positive guys. So, but it's just, hey, another thing, another thing too. Let's, let's, let's call it like it is. All right. It's the Dodgers. Fuck them. Let them fucking spend all their fucking money for all I care. They kiss my ass. They've been beating our, beating our asses up and down the last few years. We need to turn this shit around and beat their asses. There you go. That's that? right. That's right. Well, I think they're going to oh, have to can, get a little you bit. You can post that shit right there. Uh, you, we have a green light on that? Then we'll post it. Boom. Boom. If, if only social media saw fucking... 90% of the stuff that we actually don't get to post, but I, I, I'm glad we got your approval. It's true. But the Dodgers have been great, man. They, they, they've, they yeah. literally have been showing a willingness to continue to spend year in and year out. Obviously the Sotani signing is it, it's put them over the top. It yeah, has they're paying $2 million a year thrill two, yeah, fucking no. two. Yeah, exactly. And then their big thing is, their big thing is they want to freaking dominate the division, which they have been doing. They just, you know, with the exception of that one year where they won the series, they just haven't got past that first round. But, I mean, you know, other than that, I mean, you know, everybody in our division has to play catch-up, which is including us, because you have to win in your division. You can't count on the wild card every year. You have to win. Yeah. Um, in other news, Juan Soto traded from the San Diego Padres to the New York Yankees. He's in the final year before he hits free agency. I got to imagine the Yankees' goal would be to lock him up. This is one of the best young hitters we've ever seen. He's been remarkably consistent, and he's been healthy essentially his entire career, logging in about 160 games a year. Yeah, and then not only that, too. You know, I even said it was a seven-player deal. Um, you know, San Diego gave, you know, uh, Yankees two. They gave him Soto and another guy. And then they got they got five of the Yankee prospects over there, especially their pitching prospects. So San Diego came out pretty good on that end of things. Uh, Juan Soto, uh, you know, with his swing and – I guess you want to say kind of how the Yankee ballpark is. He's made perfect for that yard. He might hit 50 this Seriously. year. Seriously. Um, you know, I mean. You're, you're, you're right. No, nah, I mean, he's he's built perfect for that yard. That ball shoots out of right center at Yankee Stadium. And, you know, at, at Petco, uh, you, had to, you had to poke one on out yonder. So, like I said, he might he might have 50. So, for me personally, I think it was a good deal for the Yankees. I think this is a good time to introduce Yankee, uh, my French bulldog, to the show because Thrill, she was sitting down below me right here, and I had to walk over there and open the door because she's been farting in my face the entire show. So I now got to clean it out. But as you can see, look, her ear, like most Frenchies ear, they prop up like this one, but she gets it. She could continues to get in fights with Bella or excuse me, Bella, Eleanor, our other bulldog. 
They just go at each other. The two bitches, like literally bitches, female dogs, uh, get at it. So we got to keep them separated now. But here is Yankee, uh, perfect timing for the Juan Soto news. There you go, Yankee. Get your ear up there. No floppy ears, Yankee. Get that ear up there and quit controlling it. Yeah. Go eat some decent dog food. Don't don't get in that crap again. Um. All right. So here's a kind of a fun news story because we talked about this before, but you know Tom Brady was a, a huge Will Clark fan, and he actually was. Uh, in the dugout and had a chance to meet you when he was, I don't know, was it like 12 years old or something? Yeah. And now Tom Brady, today on Tom Brady Day, 12-12, uh, they're coming out with a card. And it says this, it says, before he became a seven-time Super Bowl, cha- Super Bowl champion, won three NFL MVP awards and set numerous passing records on the gridiron, Tom Brady was a Montreal Expos draft pick as a catcher in 1995. We'll never get to see Brady try to in a baseball career. We got a glimpse at how he might have turned out in a video. In a, in a video, the former NFL quarterback shared on X on Tuesday morning. And basically, it was as if... Yankee, just turned off my light. So, they created this card. Um of Tom Brady that he signed and there's a few of them. And one of them is actually like, he signed them. What, uh, if, if baseball doesn't work out, there's always football. And they're saying one of these cards for could go for as much as $500,000. Oh God. Seriously. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it, that's, that's craziness. But you know, another thing too is, you know, you and I had talked about it. There was there was a video came up. I know Tommy Luke saw it. I know Big Mike saw it. I know Josh saw it. Um, where you know Tom Brady was doing an interview. He's talking about you know coming in the dugout and meeting me for the first time and all that. And I I kind of gave him a little bit of grief because he was just sitting on his ass instead of being a bat boy. Uh, but anyway, you know it was it was, it was fun and it. It, it's a small world type of thing. You and I even talked about it where his sister lives like, what, two, three doors down from you? Yep. And is married to Kevin Euclid, the Red Sox, you know, former star. And I reached out to, thank you, for, by the way, for giving me her contact. I reached out to his sister, Tom Brady's sister, and said, hey, look, you know, if you and Kevin and Tom and whoever ever want to come to a ball game, a Giants game, I'd love to host you guys, you know, in a suite and stuff like that. And she replied back and said she was going to pass it along to Tom. I haven't heard back. Uh, I'll follow up here pretty soon. But, you know, it'd be fun to, you know, have me and you and Euclid and, you know, those guys up in a suite and just have have a have a good time, you know, if he's in the Bay Area and all that. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Dude, I, had, I played against Tom in football and baseball. And the irony is that I thought he was a much better baseball player than he was a football player. But we were so dominant on the gridiron that it was tough to see how good of a quarterback he was because he couldn't get the fucking ball off. Yeah. We, were in his, we, were, we were in his face every, t- every time he dropped back. So 
again, tough to get a good read. And we told him that when he was lying on the ground, we're like, Hey, Tommy, don't look man. It's tough to throw a football from your back. It's, it's all good. I'll see you out on the baseball field. Yeah. So, hang with him. Yeah. We'll see you out there later, but uh, uh, seven rings and a bunch of near misses later. Uh, first ballot hall of famer uh, without a shadow of a doubt best that ever played that position. Uh, and then, you know, he played that position in the modern game, which is probably even tougher. So there you go. Question for you, Thrill, because I talked about this on the Daily Hustle the other day. We're in the midst of the football season. I, you know, Biscuit was asking me about Barry Sanders. He's like, how good was he? I said, Biscuit. Oh, my God. How good was he? <laughs> I, I told oh. him oh Barry Sanders God. was the best running back to ever live and period. And like, that's how, that's how much I think of Barry Sanders. So then I went on, I said, the best receiver of all time, Jerry Rice. Then I went on the best quarterback of all time. You could have all the debates you want. It's Tom fucking Brady. Then I went one step further. It's like, well, what about like a Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson, the best athlete who's ever put on a football uniform. So those say are my picks. Linebacker, I'll I'll give you a fifty. Yeah, give, okay. All right, Lawrence Taylor yeah. or Dick Dick Butkus, one or the other. Give me either. Give me either. I, I never saw Butkus play. It's so oh, he was a LT. beast. He LT. was a beast, dude. LT when when he was in his prime, and I don't know if he was all jacked up on blow or whatever. Oh yeah, I, he was. it didn't matter. Oh yeah, he I, was. Well. This motherfucker was the baddest dude on a football field, the fastest guy. I mean, there was a you, you know who else, like in his prime, uh, as far as like a defensive tackle, Bruce Smith. I mean, that oh, dude yeah. was oh, a yeah. beast. beast. Greatest safety, Ronnie Lott. Yep. I'd give you, I'd give you Ronnie Lott. And if you looking for a safety that wanted to hit and kill somebody, Jack Tatum. Okay. Okay. There you go. So, um, so now, you know, it, it's kind of neat that, you know, we're bringing up the, the football end of things, you know, being that, you know, we are in the midst of football season headed towards the playoffs. 49 has been doing well. Uh, they, they had some, some big games lately that they won. So, you know, I'm always following the 49ers just because, you know, we – you know, we same hometown type of team and all that. You know, it's a little different now that they're in freaking Santa Clara playing in the sunshine as opposed to, you know, Candlestick. But but I, I still follow them. Uh, the guy that's leading the charge for them, the, the Purdy kid, man, he's, he's just doing – he's just doing a great job of running that offense and not turning the ball over. And, you know, you do that and you let the players do what they're supposed to do and – all of a sudden, you get a bunch of big W's. Yeah, and it's funny because this is why the conversation came up. Because I said, Christian McCaffrey might go down as the greatest football player to ever play. Now, I can't, I'm not going to call him a running back, right? He's not a better running back than Barry Sanders. He's obviously, he's not, he's not a wide receiver. But you put him in this role that he's so he, there's so many things he can do 
I remember I mean, last year, I think it was last year, the year before, where he threw for a touchdown, he ran for a touchdown, and he caught a fucking touchdown in the same game. Like, yeah. just, it, it's insane. Like, it's, I yeah. think he's definitely one of the best football players we've ever seen. The Niners, so long as they can win out here, Thrill, I, they're going to the Super Bowl. Like, they might not have to hop on a flight to go anywhere else the rest of the season but Las Vegas. And that's it. And that's for the Super Bowl. Wow. Wow, that's pretty awesome that as you said that. But you know, I was just thinking, you know, I was just thinking when you when you were talking, um, you know, everybody has different views on everything. And for me personally, and especially when it comes to football, because I'm not a huge fan, but I know the history and all that type of stuff. But you know, Barry Sanders put it that way. We even we even brought that up. Oh my god almighty. Barry Sanders, you know, the moves that he put on people, you just sit there and you shook your head. And then you look at a guy like, you know, Walter Payton, sweetness, you know, and he was just tough as nails, trained to the hilt, you know, would run you over, but then outrun you, run around you, put a move on you. And then you look at somebody like a Jim Brown that was just a freaking human tank and would just run over people. So it, it's kind of, you know, you get you get the arguments as to the, he's the best, he's the best, he's the best, but it's just kind of what kind of guy you want, you know? And, but yet for me personally, you know, you you stand there and you got, you, you got seven rings on your finger and how many playoffs you went to and how many almost Super Bowls and stuff like that. Dude, your head and shoulders above anybody. So, Tom Brady, there you go, partner. So, Thrill, your name comes up a lot when the argument begins about who had the greatest swing of all time. Yep, yep. Let's so, take let's take you out of the running for a second, and and I want to know your opinion on. The top three, no, three to five. Give me five. Give me top five sweetest swings of all time besides yourself. Left-handed, I'll give you Tony Gwynn, Ted Williams, Lou Gehrig. That was a three right there. I, I can't I can't do any better than that. Right-handed. Hold on a second. What's that? No Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, yeah. I'm going to shove Ken in there. Ken's in there. Don't worry. He's, you got to, right? Four. Yeah. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Ken's number four. All right. Now, you're pushing an envelope on number five. Okay. Right-handed, without a shadow of a doubt, my best is Edgar Martinez. Without a shadow, without a shadow of a doubt. All right. And then you could, you could chunk some other guys in there. But Edgar, as far as pure sweet swing head and shoulders above any other right-hander the guy that i would all right the reason why i chunked in ted williams okay not only a splendid splinter okay but the fact that i got ted williams's swing second hand uh the the guy that was my kind of hitting guru when I was in high school, he was in AAA with the Red Sox. His name was Barry Butera. He was an international 
uh, league batting title winner. And he learned directly from Ted Williams in spring training. So I got Ted Williams' theories and approach secondhand. So that's why I'm such a big Ted Williams fan. Wow. Yep. What general philosophies or approach can you share with us that you remember Butera sharing with you? So when you are, you know, in your setup and all that sort of stuff, you only go have to go from here to there. And as soon as you do that, the ball's gone. After that, you can kind of do whatever the hell you want. You can finish flat. You can finish high. You can kind of finish however you want. So we're going, we're going right here and we're going wham straight to the ball. And as soon as you make contact, dude, you're, you are no longer in control. That ball is gone and you can do whatever you want. My big thing was I got through it and I wanted to keep my leverage going all the way through it. And I wanted, and when I, my hands started rolling, so I'm way out here and my hands are rolling. So now I'm up high. I had to let go. And that's where the old cape and shit like that came from, from Kevin Mitchell. That cape was so fucking badass. Thank you. Hello, Miss Tara Burns in the audience tonight. Hello, honey. Yes, your husband had a chance to see Mrs. Thrill. That would be my wife, Lisa. She popped in earlier before we went on screen, said hello to your hubby. Yeah, it was great to see Lisa. So, Thrill, back to this for a second. Um, I, I talk about the A to B. Right. Yeah. And, and really yeah. what I, I the another way to put it would be taking the knob of the bat and taking it to the baseball, in which case the barrel follows. Did Correct. you think about did you think about that or is there, was there another way that you time. thought about getting yeah. to that? Dusty, ba Dusty Baker and I talked about it till we were blue in the face. Dusty was a big bottom hand guy. All right, so here you are, all right? So, all right, for everybody in the audience, let me turn this. So if I am coming at you, all right? So wham, I'm pulling my hands at you. Look what's coming right behind it. Barrel First of place. that, and it's completely square. So wham, boom, there's your, there's your ball hit. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to keep my hands kind of inside the ball, all right, so if the camera's the ball, I'm keeping my hands inside of it, and wham, the freaking barrel of the bat squares up immediately. So that was some of the lessons, you know, that I learned from Dusty, Tony Gwynn, every one of them son of a guns that could hit, 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 that came down to first base, and we talked about that stuff. We talked about it all the time, and now... You know, I go into clubhouses and I'm trying to talk hitting with these guys and they're like, eh, you know, um, I, I got it. I'll, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I mean, let me just put it bluntly. Motherfucker, you couldn't hit your way out of a wet paper bag, you little bastard. You need to pay attention to what the shit somebody's telling you. That's what needs to happen. Sorry. Mic drop. Boom. That's it. My drop. It's true. That, it, it, bro, the problem is, is that 
you got all these modern day hitting gurus that think they have all the fucking answers. And the reality of the situation is that they have no gosh damn clue. Now, it, there, don't get me wrong. I do think we constantly need to be revisiting how and why we do things. And so for years, you know, it was taught by all of us or it was taught to us or our generation to swing down on the ball. But the reality of the situation was that we were swinging down and people still do swing down because the hands go from here to here. But if then you the your, barrel. If you got your hands, if you got your hands up and the ball's down here, you have to come down. You have to. You have to come down. But the thing that we tried to do was come down and get on the same plane, plane. of that ball as quick as possible and stay on that plane. And that's what that's what the the difference is now. Instead of coming down and staying on the plane. They're wanting to start down and come up at it. And that's that's where, you know, you got problems. Um, you know, Danny Gomez even even said it in the chat room. You know, he brought up a great uh, freaking great dude was Kirby Puckett. I mean, Kirby, Kirby, get on first base and he was chatty Cathy over there. I loved him to death. <coughs> but Kirby and I. We talked about certain things, but there were certain things that I could not relate with him because I was trying to get the strike zone like this, and Kirby would go way out of the strike zone. He could hit shit that I never could hit. I wanted it to be in the strike zone and manipulate the strike zone. Kirby would say shit on it. If it was six inches out of the strike zone, whack! You know, and he was just – he was – he was – he was a better Pablo Sandoval. Let's put it that way. Pablo Sandoval, bad ball hitter, extraordinaire. Kirby Puckett was the next level of bad ball hitter. The best right-handed swing and sweetest right-handed swing that I ever saw, and I am going to put him above Edgar, and maybe that's right, maybe it's wrong. It's a very subjective opinion, obviously, is Manny Ramirez. Oh, there's a good one right there. There's a good one right there. Oh, and the thing, the thing I loved about Manny, all right, and, and Edgar did this too, but I, I saw Edgar so much more, and I saw Edgar working early and all, all the stuff that he did. But the thing about Manny was Manny would literally sit on pitches and let stuff go. Yep. And you and I have talked about this a lot in the past, to where I'm on first base going, no, do not throw that pitch. Do not throw that pitch. Wham! It's like, oh, God almighty. I knew he was all over that one. Yeah, I pulled up videos of Manny the other day to show Biscuit because I wanted him to understand that he could have a big leg kick. And, and I think by nature, you know, some guys can do it and some guys can't, but I think by nature – Colton has always been a leg kicker. So I just need him to be able to leg kick, watch, without the head going forward. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. And I so it. in order to show him how that's possible, I pulled up Manny. And he was just like this, man. Like, 
Yeah. Right. Head still on Mike. Watch. Head still on here's Mike. Another thing. Here's another thing. If if you wanna if you wanna pull up another guy too, who's a leg kicker, Buster. Pull up Buster. All right. Same thing. Yeah. But if you notice, Manny and Buster, both of them, both of them get two strikes, and that leg kick gets a lot smaller. Yep. I mean, a lot smaller. They they cut out damn near a whole move and waited a little longer on the ball and stuff like that. So I. I'd chunk, you know, I'd chunk Manny in the right-handers. I'd chunk Buster in the right-handers, you, you know, in the top five and all that sort of stuff. So I agree. Know, I think you're doing good. Another one, another one, if, if there's some iconic photos. I mean, iconic photos. Joe DiMaggio. Oh, yeah. Uh, very, very similar to uh, Edgar in getting extended and staying through it and stuff. And then – and then probably, you know, I mean, probably the best that's ever lived is Willie Mays. I mean, he did it, he did it completely different. But if you see some of Willie's older, you know, videos, oh my God, he was, he was all of the man. He had a lot of moving parts, man. I, a couple, the ones that I remember is like here, and it's like this, whatever. It's like whack, man. He had a fucking stride for days. Yeah. Yeah, but and then, then, but, then but then yeah, exactly. When he hit the ground and he decided it was time, all hell broke loose. It was a big violent move coming through there. DiMaggio, and it's tough to tell from you know the old footage, but he looked to be very rotational. Does that make sense? Where it was he he would he would look like he was he was really wide and just whack, whack. Talk about getting on playing with the ball. Whack. And just line drive, line drive, line drive, line drive. And his bat-to-ball skills were completely next level. Yes, yes. Agreed. Totally agreed. You know, here's and and this is this is the great part about you know this, you know, this thing where you, you know, you give you your top five and all of a sudden these guys start popping in your head of guys, you know, yeah, you, you know, you know, all of the, the, the new guys, but then all the old guys, it's like they did it and they did it sometimes 50 times better than the new guys. Look at a guy like Stan Musial. I mean, it, you know, he had, he had a kind of a different like little crouch and all that sort of stuff, but dude, everything he did looked exactly the same. It was so beautiful to watch and so for me being not only a fan of the game and working in the game now but also knowing the history of the game and saying hey you look a lot like this guy and you need to watch some videos of this guy and do what he did yeah and and if they buy into the program fine if not i ain't got time for you fuck them hey so stan musial Somebody told me to look up his numbers. And they're like, dude, this is a great, arguably, you know, the greatest player ever. Like, his stats are that good. 331 batting average, 417 on base percentage, 559 slugging, 976 career OPS, 475 home runs. He had, ready for this? 
1,599 walks, almost 1,600 walks, just 696 strikeouts in his career. So more than double the amount of walks than strikeouts. You just, you'll never see that again, ever. No, and and Luker, you got to help me on this one because I know we talked about this before. What's he got exactly the same as? It's like he's got the same hits against right. Yeah, we've talked. We've talked about him. It, I think it was Luker, home and road you know, hits you know, or home and road batting average or something. What's Musial got? It, but it's just amazing some of the some of the stats. And you look at him and you go. Oh my God. And then all of a sudden you look at Willie Mays and you go, Oh my God. And you look at Willie McCovey, you go, Oh my God. You know, I mean, it just some of these stats are mind blowing. So I think the fairest way to do it is obviously you compare players within their generation. It's who did you play against? And yeah, exactly. No, it's the easiest I, way I think, to do it. I, and I think that is a great way to do it. No, no kidding. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding you because you know, the, the guys, the guys from the forties and fifties, the guys from sixties and seventies, guys from, you know, eighties and nineties, guys from two thousands, you know, I mean, they all have their own like little niches and they own their own things that they had to do. You know I mean? The, the guys today in this game could not hit in the eighties and nineties with the strike zones that we had to deal with. The no, six inches, totally inches different. Up you know but then these guys today have arguably better arms that they're facing they do. you know even though we did have you know quite a few legitimate i mean high powered arms i'm facing a lot of 88 to 90 guys but they're making it move and they're using 6 inches off the plate and they're trying to get you to bait and stuff like that so you know i i totally agree with you saying that within the generation that you ought to you ought to make like a all whatever team however you want to do it yeah thrill we got about 10 minutes left here i i've been itching to open i we've had this old pack sitting here of 87 tops i want to dig into a new one so i'm gonna go bust open a pack and uh let's yeah. get out oh, by the way tommy tommy luke just said it. it's 1815 hits at home and 1815 hits on the road. That's what it was. I knew I knew that there was a unbelievable stat over the course of a 24 year career that you know it like stood out like a sore thumb. So thank you, Tommy Luke. Well, dude, thrill, you said it. It's a matter of consistency. Yeah, and that is yeah. Yeah, that is, it's the benchmark of all great yeah. baseball players is they're fucking consistent. It's like I was really good, thrill. I was really talented, man. I like I did a lot of really good things, but the reason why I wasn't say on your level was just consistency. I was just as good as you for a fucking week, for one week, but right. then I took the next three weeks off. And you kept going. Yeah, you know, I mean, right? that, that's the thing. You know, I mean. You know, and I, I try to tell these kids this, you know, right now it's, hey, dude, you got to grind, man. It's this, this sport is about getting ready, you know, in spring training for a six month grind that you're going to have. You're going to have the days where you're shitty. I'm talking about 
I'm talking about can't even freaking find a baseball. But you got to find a way that day when you're over three, which three strikeouts, you got to find a way in that fourth at bat to freaking follow off a few pitches and get a walk or dunk a doinker in or something to where you get something positive out of that day to get to the next day. And those guys that grind like that, and, you know, you did the same thing. You did the same thing. Man, I tip my cap to him, man. When you figure out how to grind like that, that's being a major leaguer. I tell the boys, as I did this weekend when we played down in Huntington Beach, big super regional NIT with the Let Them Play kids, uh, I, I basically told them, I'm like, look, if we have any chance of doing what we want to do and take home this chipper, you guys got to fight for inches. Yep. Fight for inches. And so before Sunday's game, I pulled up the Al Pacino any given Sunday speech and I played it for him. <laughs> oh, oh it's so God. good, man. It, it is one of my favorites beauty. of all time. You're a beauty. Hey, man. Hey, right, hey, what, what you got for me here? Break them out. Break them out. So here it is. The. 1987 tops pack. We have the no, gum, no, no. which is Don't 35 years old. It's in perfect uh, condition. Don't uh, do it. Every Don't. time we open up one of these, thrill, we got to fucking do it, man. Ready? Oh, God. Listen, Tara, listen. stop him, Tara. Listen Hurry. for the crunch. Here it comes. All right. Oh, God. Ellie. Oh, my God, ladies and gentlemen. He does it to himself. Oh. Do it to yourself. You got to be Dude. kidding me. No, you know what the fucking whacked out thing is? It tastes yeah, it's not like it fucking prenup brittle when you're biting into it. What the shit? It, well, it, it tasted the same way 35 years ago. <laughs> I never ate it back then. Good Lord. All right, dude. All right, all right. I'm not kidding. This is the first ticket right here. Oh, Ruby, Ruby, Mike, Mike Kruko, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that picture was taken in Old Scottsdale Stadium. That is the Green Monster in Old Scottsdale Stadium. Uh, yeah. I, I, there's, there's. Not enough accolades I can give him. Um, took me under his wing, uh, taught me how to be a major leaguer, uh, gave me a house to live in. I became Uncle Will to all his kids. Uh, and just till this day, he and I are tight as thieves. And, uh, you know, he calls me Rumi. I call him Rumi, and uh, I love him to death. The next one, you know, I love Kruk today. I had a chance to work with him in a game for YouTube a couple years ago. It was a favorite game I've ever called. It was just an honor to share a booth uh, with him. So, Mike Kruko, fucking legend. Uh, here's another legend in the New York Mets world, Ray Knight. Oh, wow. Good one right there. Good one right there. Ray Knight. Uh, played for the Reds, also. Yeah, you know, Mets. I didn't know that Reds, Astros, yeah. Mets. Yeah, Astros too, right? Yeah, Astros too. Yeah, it was. And um, 
Ray Knight, part of the uh, Miracle Mets. What was that? 80, 86. 86. Um, also, a little known fact, Ray Knight was a gold glove boxer. If you ever saw the video of somebody sliding into third base, he popped up, hit Ray Knight, and whammo, off they went. So, uh, Ray Knight, uh, I still love him. Uh, married to Nancy Lopez, uh, the Hall of Fame golfer, the Women's Hall of Fame golfer. Really? Yep. I thought she was living in the Bay Area. No, she's married to Ray Knight. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I know she had some affiliation with Los Altos Country Club. Here's here's an interesting one right here. See if you got anything on Leon Durham. Oh, the bull. The bull. Hell yeah. Leon Bull Durham. Uh, Early 80s a fixture in the Cubs lineup and uh, not only hit for power, uh, pretty decent first baseman, believe it or not, fit right in there with uh, Keith Moreland and, uh, and the rest of the cast over there with the Chicago Cubs in the early eighties. Yeah. Pretty consistent 20 Homer guy. It looks like through the course of his entire career. Yep. Yep. Pretty, pretty solid all the way around. Good dude. Enjoyed talking to him at first base. You got anything on Greg Brock? Greg Brock, Dodgers left-handed hitter, uh, was supposed to be the next George Brett and kind of did not lead up to that. Uh, I think he also played for the Brewers as well, if if I'm not mistaken. Um, But remember him vividly from the Dodgers. How about Jack Howell? Jack Howell. Oh, my God. I saw Jack Howell last year. He was one of the managers. All right. Wait. Eugene was playing who? They were playing the Angels affiliate, and Jack Howell was the A-ball manager. Jack Howell and I had a lot of laughing and giggling and talking kind of the same crap that we talk here where – he goes, well, he goes, these guys just don't listen. And he said, I tried to tell them and, you know, I'll take batting practice with them and show them up. And he goes, they don't get it. And Jack Howell, believe it or not, he could flat out rake. Jack Howell could hit. So, Yeah, I had Jack along the way in the minor leagues. A good dude. Just a yeah. really, really. There you go. There you go. Steven Luger even said it. Tri-City Dust Devils. That's exactly who it was. It was Tri-Cities that Eugene was playing when we were there. How about Jim Sunberg? Oh, so Jim Sunberg was a Kansas City Royal, and then after that, he became a Texas Ranger. And mm-hmm. he is still in the front office with the Rangers. So uh, he just got a ring this year. He was a big league catcher. He caught for a long time. I uh, know he went to some all-star games and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just a Big league quality player. I want to say he played like 17 years or something like that. As so catcher, this is that was big time. This is wild right here, dude. Because this is 1987. I mean, you played with this guy. I'll say with him. You didn't play with him, but same time period. And he broke into the league 
1963 with the Cleveland Indians. He then played at this point. I mean, this was through the 86 season, so he had a card in 87. I, I mean, that's a long fucking time to play baseball. And knowing more for his surgery than oh. anything else, Tommy John. Tommy John. Tommy John. Believe it or not, you're going to laugh at this one. <laughs> I faced him in a ball. He was, uh, whoever he was pitching for on the major league level, he had come down uh, for a uh, for a rehab. And the the thing that everybody said was, he can't throw a long way now because he's rehabbing. So they said, bunt on him. And like everybody and their grandma tried to bunt on him in our lineup. But, you know, Tommy John, before he had the surgery, was one of the top echelon pitchers. He threw hard. He had a good breaking ball and all that. And then he reinvented himself after the surgery as basically a thumber with a good change up and, you know, could just kind of spot his pitches. And, uh, you know, I mean, Jim Cott is a Hall of Famer. And oh, I love Jim if Cott. At, if you look at Tommy John's, uh, if you look at his stats, they mirror Jim Cat's. So, I mean, he could be a Hall of Famer as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm convinced that Jim Cott got in. I mean, look, the guy pitched for a long time. The argument against was that he was a 500 pitcher, but you look at all the numbers, he fucking did yeah, great. He, he pitched he's, he's one of the great. And, and, you know, you're talking about, you know, Tommy John. Tommy John pitched that long as well. So they, they mirror one another. Jim Cott's one of the one of the better people I've ever met. Like yep. the two best people that I met at MLB Network yep. were Jim Cott and um what do you call it? I was I was trying what do you call it? Um John Hart. John Hart, okay. John Hart. Like if I could adopt a father and a grandfather, it'd be John Hart and Jim Cott. There you go. There you go. Just awesome. Yes, Pete Kinney. It is a, it is a tip of the cap if somebody calls you a coon ass. So, that's okay. That's a good thing. A question because I've never seen this guy before. I, I'm serious, and I, you know, I follow baseball religiously. He had, in '85, he had 18 home runs, 48 RBIs, a 521 slugging, and he hit 306 for the O's in 1985. Uh, he's got a big old belly coming over his pants, but just looks like one of those guys that like to sit down and have a fucking beer or 19 with. Don't tell Floyd, me. Wait, wait, wait. Don't tell me. Don't. Boog Paul? Nope. Floyd Rayford. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Floyd. We could have a beer and have a freaking barbecue sandwich with Floyd. Oh, dude. He's, he was a beauty. He was a beauty. He was one of those guys, well, just let me hit. I don't care what I look like. You know, he's one of those guys. All right. A couple more here. Uh, Willie Wilson. Oh, my God. Uh, leadoff hitter for the Royals when the Royals were really good. Um, Frank White hit behind him, and then you had George Brett and company coming up behind him. Uh, Willie Wilson was part of my growing up uh, because we got a lot of Royals games. 
So I had a chance to see, you know, Willie Wilson, Frank Wright, uh, Frank White, and uh, and George Brett quite a bit. And uh, center fielder could absolutely fly. He was along the same lines of a Willie McGee. Hmm. Yeah, and then Preston Wilson. There's a story here because Preston Preston Wilson. Preston was adopted by by Willie. And I, I don't know. I'd have to relook up this the 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 full story. And Preston, Preston's a beauty, man. I worked with him at MLB too. He's very much um he listens to audiobooks all day. I love that about him. And he's very opinionated and actually I thought was really, really good on the network. That's probably why he's not there anymore, because he was opinionated. Uh, is there any chance you would know this guy? Bill Campbell. Looks like maybe a relief pitcher from the Tigers. Oh, God, yeah. Bill Campbell was a relief pitcher from the Brewers. Okay. And, and Twins, like, Red Sox, Cubs, Phillies, Cardinals, Tigers here at this point. Yeah, he, he kind of made the rounds, but, I mean, he was actually pretty decent. Why he made, Why he made the rounds back then, I don't know, but – I remember facing him. I was like, damn, this guy's got pretty decent stuff. I have a feeling you're going to have a story about this guy. All right. Tom Browning. Oh, my God. What a beauty. Oh, Lord. God almighty. I love that guy. Well, last time I did the uh, Major League draft for the Giants, uh, he did it for the Reds. And we we shared quite a few beers and a lot of crazy stories. Tom Browning uh, was a part of one of the fastest games I've ever been around. Uh, we were in Cincinnati on a getaway day. It was a thousand degrees on the AstroTurf, and he was hooked up with Rick Russell. And Tom Browning worked extremely quick, as did Rick Russell. We were in the Top of the seventh, it was an hour and 15 minutes, and it was a one-nothing game. It was a man. I spent more time running in off the field than I did out on the field. Um, but my story about Tom Browning is he squared around to bunt in candlestick and he bunted the ball off the plate. It popped up and it hit him in the nose. And down goes Frazier, right? And uh they bring the they bring the doctor on the field, all that sort of stuff. And they set his nose at home plate. He had broken oh. his nose. So they set his nose and then they put two pieces of tape like this over the top of his nose. So he looked like a freaking raccoon, right? And uh, I uh, <laughs> I went up to home plate the next time and I'm looking at him and I'm howling, laughing. And, and he goes, Fuck you, Will. Get in the batter's box. <laughs> I said, I can't. I'm laughing, you freaking raccoon. So that was my uh, Tom Browning story. But uh, I, I know that, uh, you know, I love him to death. He was he was a big leaguer. He was he was a big leaguer for a long time. He was a, one of the guys that did it the right way. And uh, sadly, he passed away. I think it was uh, last year he passed away. Tom Browning did? Yeah, matter of fact, now that I'm looking, yeah, I was I was right. Yeah, Stephen Luker said he passed away uh, 
damn near a year ago this week. I mean, December 19th, 2022. So Ooh, thanks for that, Luke. I appreciate that. Let's raise one up and pour some out for yeah, Michael no, Brown. Here's to you for a freaking full-on gamer right there. So what about the Nasty Boys? Oh, God. How, they, how, how good were they? They were real good. Um, you just you just kind of had to like pick your poison almost. I mean, you know, you had Norm Charlton, John Franco, Randy Myers were from the left side, and then you had Rob Dibble from the right side. And you know, needless to say, me being left-handed, I saw them all. Um, I would have to say, believe it or not, the guy, the guy who gave me the least amount of trouble of anybody was Franco. Uh Randy Myers and I. We had some great battles. I had some good balls off of him. It was just right at people. And Norm Charlton, believe it or not, he was just out of the, all of them. He was the nastiest. And on top of that, he cheated like a bastard. But uh, you know, hey, look, it was it was it was gamesmanship back then. Dibble, it seemed like did he throw the hardest? He was oh, a yeah. straight four seamers oh, yeah, in your ass. Straight, he was straight. He and he was another one of those guys, you know. If they if they had the modern day guns on Dibble, he'd be throwing 103, 104. Yeah. Uh the fine well, two more here. And th this is the guy that I got to face actually for my first big league at bat. I used to pretend like I was taking A B's when I was in college at UCLA. I'd turn on the Dodgers or the Angels. And so there was one night where the Angels were on TV. And I was up there like this in front of the tube downstairs. And I just gotten out of the shower. So basically I was butt ass naked and yeah. fucking around with my roomies by pretending like I was taking this live at bat against Chuck Finley. Oh and then the God. irony of this thrill is that when I got called up to the big leagues a few years later, the first guy that I faced in the big leagues Chuck fucking yep. Finley. Finley. And you were like, you were like naked facing him on the TV. So you oh, should have had a good hack off of him. I, I almost I, I hit a bullet back up the middle, man. What else do you want? Hey, Base knock. It. Look at you. One for one. Take that, Chuck. I just had clothes on for this one. Yeah. So Chuck Finley, uh, stud for the Angels for so long. Uh, fastball. Big split finger through a freaking awesome split finger. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, not only did you face him, but I, I faced him for a long period of time. The whole time I was in, in the, uh, American league, I faced Chuck all the time. Angels were in our division with the Rangers. So, uh, you know, stud, uh, uh, you know, hate to say it, but he had a kind of a, an ex-wife, uh, Tawny Katane, uh from the White Snake videos, flopping around on the car and all that, and evidently they got they got a uh, they got a divorce because she was beating him up with shoes and shit like that, and huh. she wound up passing away, believe it or not. So uh, you know, but Chuck is a stud and uh, enjoyed facing him. All right, we'll finish with this guy right here. We've talked about him before on. Deuce is wild. Uh, Dominican Dandy, I believe. Let's no. see here. Uh, Toronto, if you when you look at his numbers, like holy shit, 
he was better than I ever even thought he was. George fucking Bell, man. Oh, my God. I love that guy. George He's, Bell. He is the baseball version of George Foreman, the boxer. He has George 1, George 2, George 3, George 4. Just like just like George Foreman. Uh, he's a mess, but God almighty. He uh he occupied the middle of the lineup for the Toronto Blue Jays for a very long time. Uh a lot of homers, a lot of RBIs. Uh one of the premier hitters uh in the major leagues during my tenure there as well. He was just I was in the National League for the majority of the time. He was in the American League. Hey, Thrill, I, I mean, as we get to the end right here, I, I got I, I got to go back and let's see here if I could find it. It is somewhere around here or maybe not. It's got to be yeah, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. I'll find it on don't worry, it's I'm right here. I don't know what I'm waiting for, but I'm waiting good. Just keep waiting, keep waiting, keep waiting. The holiday season is off and rolling with the NFL in full stride in the NBA and NHL in midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four. Bet online has info available at your fingertips with both desktop mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use the promo code Believe, capital B L E A V, for your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, and if you have a gambling problem, please call the thrill, and he will set your ass straight. Yeah, and if you have a drinking problem, uh, call call Dadwater. This is the Steve right here. The grapefruit will take care of it. Make sure you guys fulfill your drinking needs. This is the Rodney, the blood orange one. It's tequila. It's water. They have the Gary which is my favorite one. That's the pineapple jalapeno. It's fucking fantastic, man. Dad water. And if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else of these 17 different platforms that we go out to, please do us a favor. Leave a review. How and why we're not the fucking number one baseball podcast each and every single week makes me want to puke. Like, what is wrong with people? (laughs) I totally agree with you. Hey, I went on, uh, matter of fact, one of the reasons why we weren't able to uh, do the podcast Last week was I went on a hunt with uh, one of the guys who's on the outdoor channel. His name's Chad Belding. Big, huge um, San Francisco Giant fan. Lives right there by you. He lives in Sparks, Nevada. And uh, we actually were talking about the guy with dad water because he knows him personally. I said, well, I said, then if you know him, I said, you and Eric Burns know the same guys. Yep. So done. Well, I met him through one of the guys that was at your retirement ceremony. I got you. And I, I signed you. up, I signed a can, one of the guys with that water, and then it was the keep chugging. And I signed, signed like a Coors Light can. But 
yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna do some work with them. We have we gotta hash out some of the details, but I can't think of any better sponsor than a tequila and water company. It's you know uh, obviously a healthy combination right there, and yeah, make sure right you're up, hydrated right when you drink. Right up, right up your alley. Um, I know uh, we had been doing eight one eight to kill you for a little while. Are we still doing that or no? No, no, eight one eight stops sending shit, man. I, I, right. I, they're well, they're out, but. If they we're come, moving on. We're moving on. We're doing bad water, Jack. Yes. Turn it up. And if you, hey, if you're, if you or your company, by the way, uh, and we are doing fucking like literally millions of impressions uh, over the course of a month. We put out the shows between social and, and everything else. So if you or your company interested in sponsoring Deuces Wild, uh, we have a banner ad we could actually put at the top of this. That's for sale. We got all kinds of other shit. We can continue to work you guys in. We could put the little freaking logos here, the logos there. Dude, we're going to look like a fucking NASCAR before this is all said and done, motherfucker. Hey, hey, he's pimping me out. Whatever you guys want, that's how to thrill an EB roll. We'll be having, we'll be having stripes on our shoulders and, you know, put something on the brim of the hat. The whole works. I mean, we'll be rolling. Absolutely, dude. All right, it sounds like mass chaos has ensued downstairs. So I'm out of here. I don't know what's going on. Hopefully, you got, everyone is still alive at this point. Spinach, Dogs and people. Holy shit. Spinach, gnocchi, or something like that that you're going downstairs for. Is that what Tara said? Yep. yep. Spinach, she gnocchi. Said it earlier in the chat room. I don't know exactly what it was. She actually walked up here. She was hanging out for a minute. I think she wanted some airtime. Well, I mean, Lisa was... Wanting some airtime? Nah, I'm messing with you. She don't want any airtime at all. But anyway. All right. Well, we'll we'll do a couples night one night here in Deuces Wild. Uh, yeah, no, that'd be great. That'd be great. So. All right. Are you hey, back? Uh, hey, good show, man. Yeah, I, thanks, I man. Awesome. That. Great I show. Uh, next next week, let me know if you're available, dude. And it's on. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Put us on. Put us on, Jack. All right, everybody, do us a favor. Tell a friend, share the podcast, whatever it takes. We're going to number one. And then as far as that goes, bring a friend when you come on. I mean, Truth. Jesus. Truth. And I know I come say on, I know I say this all the time. Thrill. Yeah. We're gonna bring people yeah, I mean, on. I, yeah. I didn't even look at the knock room tonight. Let's it's we uh had, we dude, had Andre and Luke the characters. We had 15 in here tonight, but hey. uh you know, another thing too, it's not baseball season, it's holiday season. So I get it. I get it. Bro, th- this is going out to the masses. Don't worry about it. And uh yeah. for everyone, yeah, I appreciate it. Just like Thrill said, tell a friend. You got it. All right, buddy. As see you next you week, man. Go. See ya!